Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. I'm starting a, a series on Elijah. And may I say to you that are watching by live stream, hit a share, and uh, let's share this thing all across the country. And if you're watching, let us know who you are, where you're from, and it's just good to see you folk here at this service. Like I said, we're starting a, a series on Elijah over the next few Sundays. Elijah's God's God's Elijah. They lived during very difficult times. May I say that these are difficult times. We've just come through a worldwide global pandemic to a level of like none we've ever experienced. If you think that's the end of all of it, you need to read Matthew chapter 24 one more time. You get down around the sixth verse, it talks about wars and rumors of wars. And, and verse 7 talks about famines, talks about pestilence. That's global disease and sickness. Talks about earthquakes and divers places. And then the next verse said, and this is the beginning just the beginning of sorrows. And we'll probably see things in our lifetime yet that are, is beyond our mind to comprehend. And if you ever manned up and put on your big boy britches, you need to get over tinkering things and uh, dilly-dallying things and become a churchman. Know where you're at these days. It's going to divide the men from the boys. A dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live fish to swim upstream against the current. And you'll find that we're going against the current very, very soon. I want to study the life of Elijah. He lived through very tough times. And here in James chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Did you catch that? That just jumped out and slapped my brain for a moment. Here's a guy just like we are, and we are like Elijah, you and I. Didn't say we're like Moses, the meekest man that ever lived. Didn't say we were like David, who was a man after God's own heart, but it said we're like Elijah. He was subject to like passions. He was pretty much human. We're human, aren't we? He dealt with suicidal thoughts. He dealt with the deep depression. He ran from confrontation. And it reads, and Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So I want to talk to you about a guy like you, and a guy like me. Now, can I just stop and say we've never seen anything like the days in which we're living. I've been around for quite a while. My age, it's, uh, can you keep a secret? Well, so can I. I've been around a little while. I've never seen the country so divided as it is right now. 
I was a boy growing up, and everybody was loyal to America, except during the hippie era. Everybody believed in our, the leadership of our country. There was a time we, we could believe in the FBI. Of course, I used to be with the FBI, fat boys of Indiana. Used to be a time you could trust Congress and the Senate and, and leadership. It's even small-scale government now in little towns getting so corrupt. Who would ever dream that we'd get... And we see civil unrest, we see social unrest, we see racial unrest, and we're divided. We don't know whether to take the shot, don't take the shot, close the country, open the country, and uh, it's a time of political divisiveness, even gender unrest. Now, I've been preaching now for, since 1967, for your information. I was two when I started, that part wasn't true. I've never seen a time, if you pastored a church that didn't run 20 and everybody was related, you actually read a, a good crowd. I've never seen a time that if you preached on anything, some folk would get up and walk out. You talk about morality and you talk about uh, gender and folk get bent out of shape. You mentioned abortion, people get bent out of shape. You talk about uh, uh, governmental things and they, they think you're talking politics and get divided. It's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Never been a time like this, except maybe during the days of Elijah. Now, let me give you a little background. Solomon dies, King Solomon dies. And over the next 58 years, <clears throat> you have six different kings. And the Bible said that one king was worse than the last king. And then the next king was worse than that king. And it was six of the worst guys that ever lived. And then along comes a seventh king, and his name is Ahab. And you talk about wicked. He was more wicked than all the other six kings. Let me, let me read what the Bible says here. 1 Kings 16, verse 33. Ahab, well, back here in 1630, Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. He was worse than all six. And it says in the 33rd verse, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now, let me tell you what he did. He married a gal by the name of Jezebel, old Jezzy. She was a wicked, insidious, perverted woman. She created all kinds of civil unrest throughout the nation. And... Uh, spiritual unrest. She began to set up temples and she tore down the temple to God, the God of Yahweh, and began to build temples to Baal. She encouraged people to sacrifice their own children's lives to Baal. Baal happened to be the God of fertility, was one of the three things that it, he, he was represented as being. And and uh, you talk about our little country, we could talk about fertility and 60 million babies having been aborted since they allowed abortion. But we're not getting off on that. You didn't hear that, did you? Erase that there. <laughs> and uh, she not only did that, but uh, she, uh, she funded 850 false prophets of Baal to go throughout the land, find the true prophets, destroy them, and to kill them. And uh, 
Baal happened to be the rain god, that he could produce rain. That's interesting. We'll talk about that later. He was also said to be the storm god. And then there's God of uh, fertility around the temple. In that time, it was so perverted, men and women would come and be involved in sexual relationships. What a wicked time. And then the Bible said a man came along by the name of Elijah. Now, you've heard the song, These Are the Days of Elijah. They were very difficult, dark, depressing days. Now, I want you to see three things this morning that I believe that will help us to live, uh, to learn, and to lead, even through difficult days, from this life of this man named Elijah. First, I want you to see the word of the Lord. Catch that in your mind. Look at what 1 Kings 17, 1 says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, now he's talking to the king, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. The word that comes to me, the word of the Lord. Now, Elijah is a guy that we don't know much about. We don't know who his mama was. We don't know who his daddy was. We don't know what cemetery, I mean, <laughs> seminary that he attended. We don't know what his religious background. We don't hardly know a thing about him. Uh, the Bible tells us that he came on the scene, and in 1 Kings 1.8, it tells us that he was a hairy guy. Who wanted to know that? They say hair comes in three stages, fuzz and is and was. I guess he was glad to have some hair. It also said that he wore a leather, leather belt, and I don't really care what he wore. So I started researching, and I found out a few things, not much. I found that the name Elijah means Yahweh is my God. In other words, the Lord is my God. Now, there's a message right there, and here's the message. How do we handle difficult times? I want to answer that by having a personal relationship with God Almighty. Because everything and everybody is going to disappoint you at some time. Maybe that's why David said in Psalm 23, the Lord... Is my shepherd. He had a personal relationship, just like sheep and a shepherd. He said, the Lord's my shepherd. And I say to you that in difficult days, a personal relationship with Jesus is paramount. It's paramount. And I'm not talking about rules and religion and ruts and routines and, and uh, do's and don'ts and all of that. I'm talking about having a relationship with the Lord God. So we know that his name means Yahweh or the Lord is my God. And then the Bible says that he was a Tishbite. I just try to get fish to bite. But he was a Tishbite. That means he was from a little town called Tishi. And so I began to try to find out a little bit about this town that he came from, and you can't find anything about this place. Places are interesting, aren't they? Do you know there's a town down in Kentucky called Mudlick, Kentucky. We ought to go down there and become a part of that, should we not? Mudlick. And I read about another place called Oatmeal, Texas. Well, I know where to have breakfast next time. I read about another place called Nothing, Arizona. The one I really liked was No Place, Colorado. Where'd you go to school? No Place. 
Where do you live? No place. Where's your family? No place. <laughs> so places are interesting. And I thought, Tishi, the archaeological studies tell us they could even locate the place. It's as if it has no past. Now there's a message right there. That's where Elijah came from. His name means Yahweh is my God and he has no past. You can't run any past on him. And when you come to the Lord, guess what? You lose your past because your past is washed away under the blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? That means that I can have a future because I don't have to let the past control my life. Because God's not interested in your past. God's interested in giving you a bright, prosperous future. Teacher at a seminary uh, had a dark, dark secret in his past that plagued him and bothered him and ate on him and he couldn't seem to lay it down. And he had a young lady in his class that talked about once in a while having a vision. And in her vision, she would see God in her mind and, and would talk with the Lord. And he said to her one day, could I talk to you for a moment? Next time you have a vision and you talk to God, would you ask God, what is the dark secret in my past that I struggle with? She said, all right. And a few weeks later, he said, have you had a vision? She said, I just did. Said, did you ask God about what I said to ask him? Yes, I asked God about what dark secret that you had. And he said, what did God say? God said, I can't remember. Isn't it wonderful that God can forgive and forget and that we don't have to have any past? Thank God we all came from Tishi. I spoke last Sunday and I mentioned uh, about the blood of Christ in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul said, but such were some of you, but ye are now washed. Suddenly they don't have a past anymore. They've been washed, and so have we. That's good news, isn't it? So the word of the Lord. May I say to all of us, let's lean into the word of the Lord for our times. If we're going through tough times, we have the consolation that we can know him personally. If we go through tough times, we can have the consolation that our past is under the blood and another consolation that God has a future for us. The word of the Lord. But another thing, he was told to wait down there by the brook. Now, here's what you've got to see. Elijah, nobody knows even hardly where he came from. Just out of nowhere, the only one that would do it walks up to the king, King Ahab, looks him in the eye and said, you need to understand something. What's that? If you think it's bad right now, we're going to go through three years with not a drop of rain. And there's not going to be any rain until you, I tell you there's going to be any rain. That's quite a, quite a message to give to the king. And further he said, Ahab, I want you to come up real close. I know you worship Baal because old Jesse does. And your God is the rain God, and you think that you can call on Baal and he'll give you rain. I've got news for you. He can't send any rain. He doesn't even exist. It's up to Yahweh or our God whether we have rain or not. And then 
look what happens. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, get the ends. In other words, get out of Dodge. When people are upset, it's time to move. I guess that's why some preachers look out the front window to see if the moving van's already pulled up. So get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink from that brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee, 1 Kings 17.3. In other words, there's going to be a drought. And uh, with a drought comes famine. And you've got to understand, they'd already been in six months of that famine, and now there's going to be three more years, and God said, I'm going to give you water to drink, I'm going to give you food to eat, I'm going to provide the needs in your life. But first, I want you to go down to Sherith by the brook. Now, did you ever stop to think that before God made people, God made places? Places are very important. God has a place for every one of our lives. We need to find where God wants us. When we're in the right place, it's a place of provision and preservation and protection and purpose and the place of power for our life. He didn't say go to Jordan. He said go to the brook. You go to the brook, Sherith. Now somebody says, well, preacher, I I live anywhere I want to live. I'm going to work at any kind of job I want to I'll go to any kind of church I want to go to. That's, that's okay. Do whatever you want to do. But God's got the right place. And if you're in the right place, you'll have the ultimate blessing of God on your life. Finding the right place. Now watch now. He said, go down to Sherith. And when you get there, hide yourself. Get alone with me. I want to do something in your life. Now, it may seem like a low time in life, but get down there and hide yourself. Because it says in 1 Kings 18.1, there will come a time you'll have to show yourself to Ahab. So before you show yourself, make sure that you hide yourself. God is saying, I can't really show you, I can't really use you until you're willing to hide and get alone with me and realize I'm your source, and I'm your answer, and I'm your direction, you've got to hide yourself. We've got a lot of folk that want to show themselves. God, show me. Just make me a showboat. And God is saying, before I can show you, I need to hide you and knock some rough edges off and deal with you. Moses, before God said, I want you to go show yourself to Pharaoh, God hit him on the backside of the desert for 40 years. To get a lot of Moses out of him. Till it wasn't about Moses, but it was about the will of God. Remember in the New Testament, a guy by the name of Saul came along and he was out persecuting and legalistic and God knocked him off his high horse. Remember that on the Damascus road? Did you know that before God you saw, God took him out for three years in the Arabian desert and got the Saul out of him and changed his name to Paul and God used him. Sometimes God has to hide us. And then he said, I'll send you ravens. They're going to bring meat, going to bring bread, going to bring grain and corn. And, and don't, don't, don't exemplify the ravens here. It was still sent and produced and supplied by God. The ravens were just nothing more than the pizza delivery boy. 
And the food that came, came from God. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's our source. Nobody else's. The ravens weren't, the widow woman wasn't. God is our source. He said, I'll send ravens. And I read that and I thought, ravens, good gracious. The song said, on the wings of a snow white dove, he sends his pure sweet love. It's a sign from above. God said, I want to I send the food by a raven. Not a dove, not a sparrow, but I'm going to send ravens. Now, the Bible talks to us about unclean birds in Leviticus chapter 11, and it names that these are the birds that you are to regard as unclean and not eat because they're unclean. And he lists all of them, and the final part said, any kind of raven. And God is saying here, I'm not using a clean bird. I'm going to use a raven. Now, do you know what I've learned about life? God is still using ravens. And I've found a lot of churches don't allow a raven to be used, somebody that's got a past. We get to looking folk over and we got to study whether they can be used of God or not. God said, no, I'm going to use a raven. Now, why would God use a messed up person? Because God ain't got nobody else. Not good English, but I hope you catch on. God uses ravens because all of us have a, a past. If you want to get to digging around, all of us are people who have fallen or failed or come up short in some area. And God uses those who have failed in areas of their life. God is simply saying, I'm not throwing the clay away. I'm going to take that clay that didn't turn out so well, I'm going to put it back up on the wheel and add to something to soften, some kind of a something that will soften that clay so I can rework it. It may be tears that will soften you. It may be sorrow. I listened to a preacher a number of years ago that was so broken when he preached. He'd been so hard. He came back from that Second World War. He'd led the troops up and down hills and watched them by the hundreds and hundreds and even into the thousands die. Watched men around him die. Natural born leader came back and went out in the oil fields of, of West Texas and Oklahoma and he was so hard, he didn't want God or the church. And he told his wife, don't let any preachers come. He would come home in the evening and the little Annabelle would meet him at the door, throw up her hands, daddy, daddy. But he came, she was three and came home. There was no little Annabelle to meet him at the door. And she died that night. A man so hard that nothing could melt him. The loss of that little girl broke him. And humbled him. And finally he fell on his knees and said, God, I'm not running anymore. There's a song out. And I think the title, He Didn't Throw the Clay Away. The writer of that song was Gene Reasoner. I knew Gene and I knew his mom and his dad. He'd grown up. His dad was a preacher. Grew up in a kind of a strict atmosphere. And he, he got away from that. And he was musically oriented and Begin to play in the, in the nightclubs. Wound up down around Branson playing backup music. And then began to sing and became a songwriter. Blew a, mess, a marriage or so. Buried a teenage daughter. And finally broken. Melted with the tears of the brokenness of life. 
came back to God and he said that God didn't throw the clay away, but he started over again. I'm simply saying to you, God doesn't want to throw you down and not use you. He may have to rework us. We may have a background of having been a raven, but God uses messed up people. Not always the dove, not always the sparrow, but sometimes the raven. We're all, in a sense, been messed up. Don't get too haughty. Some people's their mess still shows. They can't hide it very well. Other people can hide it, but most all of us have a few things we don't want everybody to know about. That's why we ought to be beating one another up. That's one of the reasons we ought to be hard on each other. Be kind. Sometimes it seems like the church is the only group that still shoots its wounded. All of us are going to get hurt along the way. Take the hurt and get back up and don't let it knock you away from the place of the will of God for your life. So it said the word of the Lord and then wait at the brook. But the last thing I want you to see is the whittle at Zarephath. The brook dried up, the Bible said. He'd been down there for a while and he'd been drinking from the brook and opening the, the little bit of twigs and looking out his little makeshaft uh, house and birds had just placed some meat. They're on the windowsill or some bread. Where they got it, I don't know. I don't know if it was the king's table, if they flew in and while the chef turned away, picked up some bread, I don't know. But I know that God commanded the ravens. But now the brook is dried up. Can't stay there. Did you know that the brook in your life will dry up too? It may be your marriage will, is already dried up. It may be finances has dried up for you. Some of you may be here and you're so sick you can hardly listen to me. Your health has dried up. You don't know how you're going to go on with things, but it happens. So what do you do when the brook dries up? Two things. Number one, obey God. Look at 1 Kings 17, 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him. Whatever God says, obey him. Elijah, I want you to go a hundred miles from Cherith and the brook down to Zarephath, to the city. Leave the country, go to the city. Now this don't make any sense to me. I'm talking about in the human. But let me explain why Zarephath, remember now he's hiding out there in the wilderness, down there in the countryside, somewhere around the brook. Cherith. And God said, I want you to go to Zarephath. Zarephath was the home of old Jezze. I'm talking about Jezebel. It's where she lived. And it was also the headquarters for Baal worship. Now you try to make sense out of that. Why would God want me to go there? I'll lose my life for sure. You're telling me to hide out now. You're telling me to go there. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. No matter what God says, obey him and let him take care of the consequences. You see, when you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. And if you don't please God, it doesn't matter who you do, please. Just do whatever God says. Just be sure it's God. Be sure it's God. Are you listening? There's a lot of voices out yonder. Don't listen to all of them. And secondly, God is your source. Elijah, go there. There's a widow woman. 
She's going to sustain thee. Makes you immediately wonder, did some guy die and leave some woman a boatload of money and she's going to help the preacher? Second thing, well, really, that's the second thing that hit me. The first thing that hit me, a preacher go and stay at a widow's house? Well, that'd start rumors, wouldn't it? That'd go through the Nazarene rumor mill real quick. Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals too. Wouldn't be gospel now, it'd be all gossip. She's going to, and when he arrives, she's out there picking up sticks. And he said, what are you doing? She said, I'm gathering sticks. I got just a little bit of oil, a little bit of meal, and I've got a son, and I got enough to make one last dinner, and we're going to eat it, and then we're going to die of starvation. And the preacher really tested her faith or her patience. He said, fix me a meal. Sound like a preacher, doesn't it? Somebody was reading out of the 16th chapter of Luke where it said the beggar died, and somebody stood up and said, no, he didn't. Our pastor is still the beggar. He hadn't died yet. Said, fix me a meal. So she did, and guess what? Here's what happened. She went back to that empty cruise of oil, and there was still oil there. When she walked over to the meal barrel, still meal there. Fixed another meal and went back, and the oil kept filling up, and the meal kept coming back into the barrel, and it, God provided, God met all their need. Now, here's the message. God is always your source. Ravens may deliver it. God may use some person in your life, but not anything or anybody but God. God is our only source. Look to God. And here's what I found after preaching all these years and working with all kinds of people I'm finding these days a lot of people that's been dealt a tough hand, a raw deal. People will come to my office. They'll tell me, I don't want to tell you my name. I just want to know, can I talk to you? And I say yes. And they begin to unload about some raw deal they've had. And I listen a little bit and I see their tears and I, I feel their hurt and I just have to admit, boy, life is tough. They did get a raw deal. It might have been from their family. It could have been from their job. It may have been from some other church. But people get a raw deal. What do you do when you get a bad hand and a raw deal in life? Can I give you a, a little verse to claim from here on? It's over in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2, I think it is. And it's down at verse 30. And it reads, for them that honor me, I will honor. So when life gets tough, difficult times come, people are mean, somebody says something bad, God said, if you'll honor me, I will honor you. And it doesn't matter how bad times may get, and they are going to get tougher. Honor him. And God said, when the brook dries up, I'll honor you. Several lessons to be learned that I believe are important. One, God's timing and ours are rarely the same. So learn to wait on the Lord. Don't get in a hurry. Wait on him. Don't do anything until you know that you've heard from God. And secondly, God's plan is rarely revealed in advance. Elijah had no idea where God was going to lead him next. 
And thirdly, God's leadings often involve sudden changes. Just when we think life is exactly the way we want it, suddenly everything changes. Life is like a kaleidoscope of constantly shifting colors and patterns. Only God sees the big picture. We just see a little part of the picture and only get a quick, sudden glimpse of that and then it's gone. Learn the lessons. Toughest times that ever have hit us, I believe, are around the corner. But I'm saying, Elijah was like us, and we're like Elijah. He made it, and I want to learn from him and share it with you, how we can live and learn to lead through difficult times. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org. 